maybe you've noticed genuine love is hard to find in the world as we know it. Pastor Ed Taylor, I'm the only place you'll find it today. Flipping through the news, flipping through the newspaper, where's the love really? Where's the love where a high school teacher takes advantage of a high school student? sexually. Where's the love in that? Where's the love where a convenience store clerk working the night shift finds that her life is ended because of $20? Where's the love in that? Where's the love when the latest corporate directors and CEOs end up going to prison? Why? Because they emptied out the life-saving pension funds of the people that trusted them, that worked for them. Where's the love? Where's the love in our society? Listen, friends, I'll tell you what. The only place you will find true love is in Jesus Christ. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You From the Greeks describing the different kinds of love to Shakespeare's famous definition to today's love songs, they all describe love from a human point of view. It's recognized that some loves are higher than others, but God's love exceeds them all. Welcome to Abounding Grace. Our teacher, Pastor Ed Taylor, is going through the book of Romans. In chapter 5, we're told that God's love is lavishly given to us when we come to Christ. To tell us all about it, here's Pastor Ed. Well, for so many of us, you and me, before we became Christians, one of the words that would not have described us would have been loving. I wasn't a very loving person before I got saved. I didn't really care about people. They really didn't matter to me. In relation to people in my life, my attitude was simply, what can you do for me? And what can you continue to do for me? I lived a very selfish life. I lived a very self-centered life, and love was just not one of the adjectives that you would use to describe me. I was not a loving person. I know that many of you were the same. Now, you may have had other things going on. Maybe you were a very angry person. That's how you were described. You're a very angry person, or, or you're really into business, so that's all you want to do is make a lot of money before you got saved. Or maybe you were a person that was very fearful, full of anxiety, and that's how you were described. And there were a lot of adjectives to describe you but perhaps for many of you, love wasn't one of those words. Yet when we were born again, what awakened in us was a keen sense of the love of God. Something that radically changed our lives forever. Where from one moment, you could have an attitude of not caring at all, and now that you're born again, you can't seem to stop caring about how people are doing, what's going on in their life, how can I help? What happened was God poured his love into your very life in abundance and personally for forever and into eternity I'm grateful because that love did spark in my life and it's not just a spark but it has grown over the years that I could say that today compared to when I was first saved I have more love flowing through my life than I did back then as God continues to grow me and mature me love is a mark of any true Christian now, chapter 5 of Romans opens up with some glorious benefits of being saved. 
It's been some time since we've studied this verse by verse. So come back with me, verse 1 of chapter 5, and let's review a little of where we've been and where we're going. Paul opens up, he says, Therefore, having been justified by faith. It's not of our works. It's not what we've done. It's by faith. God does the work of justifying. We believe. Notice what we have then. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And so in Jesus, by faith, we have peace with God, we have access to God, we have the grace of God, and we have hope in God. And what a glorious section of Scripture. Everything has changed about us. The direction of our life is no longer aimless. There's focus, there's purpose, there's direction. And then we had to keep reading, didn't we, in verse 3? And not only that, and we're thinking, okay, Lord, what else do you have? What else do you have for me, Lord? Not only that, we also glory in tribulations. We're like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, that doesn't seem to fit. But we spent a lot of time there, didn't we? Learning how God uses trials and tribulations to make us, to shape us, to form us. Then we spent some time looking at Psalm 23 because it's important for us to understand that in the midst of things, it's the good shepherd that takes care of his sheep. And you and I have a good shepherd. And there is a time when we can see that tribulations are working, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, verse 4, character. And character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The love of God, and that's where we'll focus today in verse 5, has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We live in a loveless world, have you noticed? A very loveless world. It will take a lot of effort for you looking outside of the church of Jesus Christ to find genuine love in this world. There are all sorts of substitutes for love, all sorts of issues and things that they can they describe as love, but it's not true love at all. We live in a loveless society. You don't believe me? Give it a chance. Give it a shot. Go ahead and take someone else's parking space and see what kind of love you see. Go ahead. Cut somebody off. By accident, you know, don't, don't get all mad and get in a fight and go, my pastor told me to cut you off. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> but you go and just make a mistake and cut somebody off by accident on I-25. What are they going to do? Love you? Peace, brother? No, that's not where they're going to be showing you. It's a very loveless world. There seems to be everybody wanting to get ahead at someone else's expense. In the corporate world, they call that climbing the corporate ladder. And there is this picture of the corporate ladder where if you're around the ladder, you will find many people with shoe prints on their forehead because people will climb on other people to get what they want without any regard to the human or to love. We live in a society, you know what some people call our society? A dog-eat-dog society. That's not a pretty picture. I mean, dog-eat-dog society, that's not the kind of society I want to live in. That's the way it is. Every man and woman for herself. Everybody's going to get what they deserve. It's all about me. There is this false notion, this false teaching, this false philosophy in the world that says all of your problems would be solved if you just learned how to love yourself. If you could just learn how to love yourself, and if you would love yourself more, and if you would just keep loving yourself, then after you've got that all together, then you would be a better vessel to love others. That's so not biblical. 
You know, our problem is the fact that we do love ourselves. Did you know that? Flip over to Ephesians. Let me show you what I mean. There's this movement today that says, oh, no, the problem you're having is you don't love yourself enough. No, 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 no. The Bible says the problem that you and I have is that we love ourselves too much. That the problems we face are more self-centered and selfish than we really want to admit at times. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, beginning verse 29. No, the Holy Spirit teaches us that the problem that we face is so often a tremendous love for ourselves where Paul says, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. That's why prayer and fasting is such an important spiritual discipline because as you choose to pray and fast, you're going to learn just how much your body is used to you nourishing it and cherishing it and feeding it and giving it the things that it wants. Instant gratification. When you set aside time to pray and fast, you tell your body, you tell your old sinful habit patterns, you tell your flesh, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. He directs my life. You don't. And that's why it's so important to get involved and start to set aside that time. It's not loving yourself. We do a good job of that. It's a loveless world that's becoming very selfish, a dog-eat-dog type of world. We live in a society where a person's word doesn't really mean anything anymore. That you can have somebody promise you something and break that promise without any type of conviction. I mean, there was a day... There was a day when a real estate transaction was on one piece of paper. It said something along the lines, here's my house, my address, I'm giving it to you, you're giving me the money, we sign our names and it's over. Have you seen a real estate contract lately? It's huge. You buy a car. You buy a car, you got to bring a magnifying glass to look at every little detail and all the things and what's going to happen. And, and even then, depending on what happens, you could sign a contract with someone, with some type of business, not just those, but others, and they could still break the contract and say, go ahead and take me to court. I don't care. Because that's the kind of world we live in. It's a loveless world, a selfish world. And when you Hear of that in the world, the, the problem is this, from a pastor's perspective, is I see too much of that in the church with Christians. Well, there's times when a Christian's word isn't really received as something you can lean upon. Where a Christian says, I will do this, but they really don't do it. Or a Christian business says, I'll do this for this amount of money, but then they don't follow through. And they just go, oh, well, you know, and whatever reason. Christians say, I'll be there at such and such a time, but then it, they don't not there at such and such a time. They never intended to be there. May the Lord just deliver us from that. That we would be men and women of our word. Like Jesus said, our yes would be what? Yes, and our no would be no, and nothing more. We are just people you can trust in. I mean, when you look to the society today, it's very discouraging. Flipping through the news, flipping through the newspaper, where's the love, really? Where's the love where a high school teacher takes advantage of a high school student sexually? Where's the love in that? Sounds pretty selfish to me. Where's the love where a convenience store clerk working the night shift finds that her life is ended because of $20? $20. Where's the love in that? Where's the love when the latest corporate directors and CEOs end up going to prison? Why? Because they emptied out the life-saving pension funds of the people that trusted them, that worked for them. Where's the love? Where's the love in our society? Listen, friends, I'll tell you what. The only place you will find true love is in Jesus Christ. 
That's the only place. Listen to this. You can jot it down in John's Gospel, chapter 13. Speaks of the love of Jesus as the feast of Passover was coming when Jesus knew that his hour had come that he should depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. And just as we now, they then lived in a very loveless world where they could search and search and search for love in the world and would not find it. And they had love in front of them in the person of Jesus Christ. You realize by now, don't you, that Christianity is not just some theology. It's not just some philosophical set of beliefs. Christianity is a person, the person of Jesus Christ, who lived, died, and rose again. So that by his shed blood, combined with your faith, your sins that have been holding you back from God and separating you from God, God would draw you near through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, so that your sins might be forgiven. I mean, that's good news. That's the gospel. The Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit pours this love out in our hearts in abundance, back in Romans chapter 5. That the very love of God that motivated him to give his only begotten son is the very love of God that's in us as Christians. That's what changed. A very loveless person became a very loving person because God poured out his love in our hearts. Now, love in the English language is a very difficult word to get your hands and get your hands around and grasp because we use love in so many different ways. I mean, it would be easy for me to use the word love toward my wife, Marie, and say, Marie, I love you. And you know what I mean by that? I mean, I really love this woman. She stuck with me through thick and thin. When we were unbelievers, she stuck around. As believers, she's been there with me. She's seen my highs. She's seen my lows. She's seen the best in me. She's seen in the worst in me. And in that, I love her unconditionally. Then, after looking at Marie at the table and saying, Honey, I love you, the waiter comes and puts a chocolate chip cheesecake, white chocolate cheesecake raspberry sauce about this big, and I say, Honey, I love cheesecake. <laughs> now, is that the kind of love that I just describe of my wife? No. I do love cheesecake, but not like my wife. And then we could eat that cheesecake together, sharing a fork together like Lady in the Tramp, you know, and we can enjoy the cheesecake. And we can go home and take some of the leftovers from our dinner, and I've got a dog there. Her name is Molly. I could look at Molly and say, I sure love Molly. But do I love Molly? That stinky dog that lays next to my chair there like I love cheesecake? No way. Do I love Molly like the cheesecake like my wife? No way. <laughs> But see, we can use the same word and mean very different things. Now, the Greeks, which, by the way, the New Testament is written in the Greek language, the Koine Greek, the common Greek of the day. Do you know the Greeks had at least four words for love? You can jot them down. They, did, they were masterful with language. And in their language, there were four different words to describe love. And depending on what kind of love they wanted to describe would be the kind of word that they would choose. So the first one was phileo. P-H-I-L-E-O, phileo. We have a city in the United States. You know what it is? Philadelphia. What is that city? The city of? And that's what phileo means. It's a brotherly type of love. Phileo. It's a friendship type of love. 
the kind of love that you would have for a friend. You can jot it down in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. And certainly that is a love that flows through the church. Phileo. The second word that's used in the Greek language for love is eros. We get our English word erotic from that word. And it speaks of a sexual type of love. Not a perverted, twisted type of love, but a sexual type of love. An intimate type of love. A love that would be expressed between a man and a woman in marriage in its proper context. It also can be described as the type of sexual temptation that often brings down Christians and non-Christians alike. A third word that we see that's used in the New Testament is the word storge. S-T-O-R-G-E. Storge. This is a word that describes a fondness or a family type of love. The only time we really see it used in the New Testament is in the negative. Flip over to Romans chapter 1. Let me show you what I mean. We see it used in the negative by Paul describing a group of people that have no connection to God whatsoever. And as he describes their behavior and their attitudes, he uses a word, it's the opposite of storge, but it's storge is used in that word. And it's in verse 31 of chapter 1. Describing this group of people that are not following after the things of God, he says that they're undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving. They don't really love anyone. They have no familial type of love. They're very self-centered. And the fourth word, sometimes translated in the Greek agape, that's the noun version, or the verb version is agapeo, that's the word that's used in Romans chapter 5 here, that the love of God, the very agape love of God, that speaks of the kind of love that God has demonstrated to us. It's selfless. It's self-sacrificial. It is unconditional. And when you look at agape love, it also speaks of a love that goes forward even and especially when it is not deserved. Agape. So back in Romans 5.5, 5, listen, he doesn't use phileo, he doesn't use eros, he doesn't use storge. He says, now hope does not disappoint because the agape of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Circle the words poured out. Next to them, write this, lavishly given. That when God pours this heart, his love into our hearts, it's not a sprinkle, it's not a little bit, it's not a portion, but it's overflowing in our lives. That's what happens when you and I are born again. The love of God gets poured into us. His very nature, John tells us, is poured out through his agape love. You know, one of the most astounding truths of the gospel is that a holy and righteous God would love unholy and unrighteous human beings. Look at verse 6 of Romans. We'll get to that next time, but for now, notice, for when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for who? The ungodly. Let's try that again. You ready? For when we were without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Absolutely. Do you know what that means? That means his love came to us in our worst condition. That it wasn't a matter of us getting our life straightened out, getting our life fixed, 
cleaning up all the things about our life, making sure this is in order and that in his order, kicking that habit over there. No, rather, in the midst of an ungodly lifestyle, in the midst of a destructive lifestyle, in the midst of a loveless lifestyle, in due time, Christ, he died for us. That's love. This is Abounding Grace, and Pastor Ed Taylor is leading a study of Romans right now. You can hear these radio programs on our website anytime at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to go and grow in the Word is by downloading our app. Search for Calvary Aurora. This is a great way for you to take in the Word of God wherever you may be. It's not a bad idea from time to time to sit down with a mature, older believer in Christ and hear what they have to say about the Christian pilgrimage. Well, you might say that's the sort of wisdom you'll glean from Warren Wiersbe's book on being a servant of God. He shares in it what he wishes he had known about ministering to others when he began his walk with the Lord. Ministry, he says, takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. Request a copy today when you give a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Call 877-30-GRACE. And as the costs of being on the radio are growing, we're looking to the Lord to provide for us. If He's leading you to take an active role in the ministry, either through a one-time gift or ongoing support, please visit us online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. Well, Pastor Ed, not long ago, we celebrated our 20-year anniversary here at Calvary Church, Colorado. For the benefit of our listeners, I was wondering if you'd reflect for a moment on some of the things that were shared during that service. Larry, it was such a glorious time here celebrating 20 years of God's faithfulness. One of the sayings we have around here is, we love the past, but we live the future. And so we've chosen to deliberately and intentionally celebrate what God has done in our past so that it becomes preparation for what he's going to do now and on into the future until he returns. And I love this verse in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 7. It says, But our eyes have seen every great act of the Lord which he did. Therefore you shall keep every commandment which I command you today, that you may be strong and go in and possess the land which you cross over to possess. And all three of those, past, present, and future, are contained. It's been God's heart for us to enjoy the past, to live in the present, and prepare for the future. And we had a, a great time of people that were a part of this church before we got here, uh, because it was ongoing before we got here. We had some pastor testimonies. We had a lot of great worship. It sort of set the tone for what's up ahead, especially for 2020, as the theme for our year is Into Faith We Go. And it's based on a song by Pat Barrett called Into Faith I Go. And so powerful, so wonderful. And to me, it's always fun to look back and see all that God has done, because uh, it was back in 1999 that my wife and I and our three kids picked up everything and moved here from Southern California into the Aurora area, uh, anticipating what God wanted to do. And I have to say that so far, and it should be no surprise, but he's done exceedingly abundantly above all that we can think or ask, and, and we're not done. So even though it's fun to look back and see what the Lord has done, it's fun and encouraging to see how God has shown himself faithful over and over, we have to remember there's still new land ahead, and we must look forward. The past cannot hinder us from moving forward, and 
remembering what God has done should only propel us to seek what God wants to do. And that's really the theme of our church. Uh, we, we know where we came from. We know our identity. We know our Calvary Chapel roots and all that God has done through the ministry of Calvary Chapel. And now we look forward to what's up ahead and look forward to what God wants to do. More people saved, more church plants, more radio ministry, more radio stations, more media. And whatever God has for us, we just want to be found faithful. I would encourage you, if you want a taste of the ministry here, to go to the app. Download our free app. You can just go to your app store or Google Play and put in Calvary Church Ed Taylor. And I think if you just put in Ed Taylor, uh, both our radio app and our church app will pop up. And then we've got that all archived there. It'll be worth your time. No matter what ministry you're in, what church you go to, it'll be worth your time to celebrate with us. Because you're not just celebrating what God has done in one local, little local church, but you're celebrating what God is doing in the broader church of which we are partners in the gospel. So thanks for asking. And there's so much more we could say. We could de- dedicate like a whole a whole uh, segment, you know, like a whole show to this. But for now, we're grateful for 20 years and we're grateful for the past, but we are excited for the future. Grateful for the past, excited for the future. Amen to that. Thanks for sharing that, Pastor Ed. Well, that will do it for today. Come back tomorrow when Pastor Ed Taylor will pick up where we left off in Romans here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You laid down your life That I would be set Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.